Instagram Drizing. It is 3.19 a.m. March 12th at hmm, Saturday, I believe, 2020. Thank you for coming to another talk with Barely Doing Stuff, Now With Words. This communication today is going to be about survival, survival mentality, um, survival's trauma, um, the PTSD that comes involved with survival trauma, and all of the goings-on that I had to process um, healing through most of the aspects that regard me as a survivor. Um, I think what I really wanted to start off with is that as a survivor, I would like to express to you that you're okay. I would like you to remember that this moment right now where you're watching this video, where you've been able to find resolve and some sort of peace to be able to watch a video pertaining to the trauma that you went through, you're okay. It may not feel like you're okay always, but I would like you to be really mindful of the moment that you're in right now is not the moment that you were in prior to this point in time. So even if being in a space where you get to be triggered by the memory of the trauma that you were engaged in, you are not experiencing said trauma. I say that because I often am put back into the scenario where my trauma becomes present and as a person of color, as a person um, of uh, gender identity born assigned as male, as a large person who happens to be muscular or heavy set or taller than most of the people that they interact with, my trauma is often disregarded. It is often thrown to the wayside. It is often not seen as a very conducive part of how to engage with me, even though my trauma is very real. Even though the experience that I have occurred uh, have happened and still leave residual energy. And as a practitioner of spirituality, throw quotes on everything, um, it takes a good regard, a heavy dealing to practice being mindful in each scenario that I engage myself in. I can say forever that I am healed, but it will be what I pertain, what I like to refer to as healing always and always. So I tell people to be safe always in always. And that's um, A-L-L -L space W-A-Y-S comma A-L-W-A-Y-S. Not to say that you don't understand that, but that's how I communicate to people. And I started saying that because I was safe always, always. As a homeless person, I had to engage in what I thought was unsafe behavior quite frequently. Eating out of the garbage, um, eating unspoiled uh, food, uh, spoiled um, uh, drinking water from unknown sources, um, maintaining shelter somewhere, living in um, un undesirable locations, living with unhealthy people, um, maintaining jobs that were not 
socially or economically safe in regarding to my physical health, mental well-being, just all of the things that I had to do. And I came up with this kind of like, I'm safe always, always. And then I started telling people that if I say that to them, that I was cursing them. And they go, why? I was like, because I really want to die. And they say, excuse me? What? What, what? Where does negative pessimism come from? And I was like, well, you don't understand. I'm always surviving. I'm always in survival mode. I'm always constantly producing the desire to try to stay alive, regardless of how much I have around me. I always have to be trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing to get to my next point. I have to always be figuring out if someone's going to betray me, if someone's going to turn their back on me, if someone's going to disregard my mental safety, my physical safety, my emotional safety. So I would tell them that if I was telling them, you know, safe always, always, that it's a curse for them because now they don't have to worry about being safe. Regardless of what happens to them, like me, uh, nothing would take them down, you know? And I don't think people have really come to terms with what that meant when I was saying it, but I, I, I digress because it is still something I live to to this day, having the experiences that I have where people disregard how my safety and how it should be regarded is. Um, I currently still face lots of challenges in regard to um, being a survivor. Uh, I am... I'm a survivor of human trafficking, and I didn't know that until after I stopped, had some 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 human survivors uh, communicate with me that uh, human trafficking survivors communicate to me what human trafficking was. And yeah, um, it isn't called that this day specifically, but because I was shuffled around between white families and white properties in regard to working without pay or without proper um, financial um, re reciprocity, I was shipped essentially back and forth between these families and my labor, slavery, uh, was used to benefit their land or their house or their garden spaces. Uh, sexual favors and endeavors uh, were used. So this is sex work as well. And again, this is, this is me really healing some stuff. This is me really looking deep into everything. This isn't me saying, oh, you know, I just want to pick a couple things and choose to be um, a victim. I want to, I want to, I, I had the trauma. I didn't know why I was having the traumatic responses so intensely. I didn't know what I was um, experiencing. I didn't know what things were uh, giving me issues. I'm sorry. I just noticed this wasn't pointing at my face at all, but I'm like in a weird position. So that's fine. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that that was what was causing that. I didn't know that that's why I was having those responses. I had no clue that I had survived human trafficking. I had no idea that I was even a slave, uh, to anybody. I didn't understand that I was experiencing indentured servitude. I didn't know that because of my desire or because of my self-worth issues and my inability to deem myself worthy of anything other than servitude and that was the only way I could seek value in myself I didn't understand that there were people out in the world that would try to use that to their advantage I didn't ex I didn't know until after I experienced it and I still didn't know until after someone explained it to me through their experience so this talk is about survival mentality survival instinct survivor trauma because I would like to express to other people of the POC community 
that we are very much allowed to have the experience of trauma. Um, we are very much allowed to find safety and security in other people sharing their story. Um, we are very much allowed to share our stories of the trauma that we've experienced, <clears throat> regardless of the shape or form that your body comes in, regardless of how um, it is perceived by the outside world, regardless of what you had to do to survive. And in several instances, um, my prior behavior to finding this peaceful resolve in myself was to become very uh, aggressive to my attackers. Uh, whether it be mental, emotional, manipulation, uh, whether it be power of abuse, um, whether it be, uh, um, uh, it's called, give me a second, because these, these are terms that I don't use, but somebody else was referring to them. Degregation? It's when they tear down your character and they make you believe something about yourself that isn't necessarily true. Um, I've gone through tons of these experiences where the person that I was living with would cast a light on me and say that I was doing some characteristics that I, I wouldn't normally exude and to, up until the point where it would seem like that was my reality. Up until the point where it became my reality. I would become the attacker. I would become the aggressor. I would become the, their abuser up until that point because this is the, main, this is the, this is the condition that I maintain myself in. Uh, environmental um, manipulation, um, not allowing certain behaviors, very much, um, what is it called? It's like my chosen by proxy or something like that. I can't remember how to say the first word, but it's essentially, I will continue to create a fail-safe in your mental stability or physical stability and then provide you with what I call uh, help or nature or nurture. Um, yeah, in tons of situations, I would be told that the world was against me or there was, I couldn't do enough or that they were there to save me or that they were there to uh, help me or they were there to um, uh, inspire growth in my, in my person or they were there to um, take me away from something else that was tormenting me to give me better um, sanctuary to tons of stuff. I, there are tons of situations where people have expressed to me that their goal was to show me a higher elevation in life, uh, a better point of perspective in the life that I had grown up living. And they would do the exact same thing. And these are white people. These, I, I don't... I, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna say no, no. It wasn't race based, but it is. It's very much race based. Power of abuse in the situations that I experienced were very much white people taking abuse. They would move me into their houses, onto their land, onto their property, and they would have the the gall to spend money lavishly in the beginning and say that this is how much I could be using, this is what I could do, this is the um, ability that I had to use with it, and then after a while or after their needs were no longer being satisfied by me or they got bored or whatever the case may be, whatever happens to narcissists, uh, they would take back all of the power, all of the finance, all of the financial stability that they incurred was there. 
they would make resources scarce. Oh no, we don't have enough money. We can't do that. We don't have enough money for your expensive vegan food. You're spending too much money. I was like, but you said that we had this much resource for me to be able to access so that I could do the things that we were discussing and planning. Um, a lot of the time, because this is more or less so my, my shared experience versus like what you can do to get out of it. Because what I had to do to get out of it was get arrested, um, leave, be, uh, evacuate the premises frequently. Um, I can remember this one time I was living in the forest and they told me that I could set up camp. And then the moment that I started setting up camp, they started telling me that I couldn't cut down certain trees to set up camp, even though they told me that I could cut down certain trees to set up camp. And once I did that, they immediately started telling me that I was like filming to like make them look bad. Like I worked for the state or the government or something. I don't know. And there was another situation where I literally built these people a house and they, <laughs> they basically said that me building them a house was worth $400 and like I remember trying to be on a phone call with my daughter because it was the first time I had spoken to her in years and talking to her mother is very finicky and every excuse in the world not to talk to me after the first time I make any mistake is used and applied against me and I said hey could you just let could you could you let her know that I'm on the roof right now, and once I get down off the roof, I'll give her a call back, and I'll make sure that I can talk to her. Um, I wasn't able to, I haven't heard from my daughter since then. That was like two years ago. Uh, to me, it felt like two years ago. Maybe it was a year, maybe it was half a year, but it, it felt like two years ago to me. Um, there are lots of situations because I'm a large person, because I don't have the makeup of a victim. I'm a giant um, I don't have the blonde hair, blue eyes, or hazel eyes, or small stature. I don't weigh 120 pounds. I'm not um, frail. I, I don't cry at the blink of an eye because of the consistent trauma that I've experienced in my life. Uh, even now, as I talk to you, I'm having gaps in my memory appear because the trauma is really present. Um, I'm either blocking it out or um, stuttering through... Uh, fear or um i can't think of what the, the 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 psychosymptomatic is but i'm i'm basically not having a good process right now as i'm triggered to try to have this conversation to try to relay to the world that people of my stature size experience uh in this vessel are are left out in the cold um and being as soft-hearted as I am, it always comes from the place of like, oh, well, you know, the universe always has a plan. That's, that's how I've been able to overcome this. Um, the universe always has a plan, like even experiencing the loss of 10 children. Uh, I've had 10 miscarriages in my life, so death is different to me than it is to most people because I see death as a release. Those kids didn't make it into this world because they were suffering inside their mothers. And I'm rubbing my hands right now to self-soothe, by the way, um, to show you how uh, the, um, the memory is affecting me. And people will say, oh, well, you know, that's an act. 
and that's you doing behaviors that you've like studied and I'm like I don't I don't <laughs> I don't study how to be traumatized I'm fucking traumatized and um yeah just just when I experience things that other people have experienced it's not regarded the same way it's not given the same kind of importance and it's painful. It's painful to recognize that my experience isn't regarded that way. Um, I'm often given labels like hypersexualized when I'm communicating with people flirtatiously. Um, just, just, I, I'm, I'm really struggling right now to try to present in a way that doesn't conflict with how I can communicate. Like, I've I've been arrested. I've been arrested for breaking the door off of a household, um, for becoming physical with another party. Um, and those are the two times that I've been arrested, and they're about twelve years apart in incident. And the first time, my, one of my daughter's mothers. Um, she professed that she had lost my child. And as a as a 19-year-old, as an 18-year-old, um, having only one child and them having four children and them telling me that they lost my child, uh, I was I was set on a rage. Um and that's never the part of the story that's concerning. That's never the part of the story that makes any sense to anyone. The part of the story that is continually reflected is that I broke a door off a household uh, trying to find my daughter. Um, because the find the daughter part is very lost in the in the, in the equation. And I'm a I'm a I'm a very maternal person because of the lack of maternal. Uh, uh, emotional um, space that I was given as a child. So anytime I come across something that I want to nurture, I nurture it with everything I have. Uh, and the first time I had a child, uh, that was my clone. That was that was little me. That was everything I could have, everything that I ever wanted. I gave to this 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 darling little being, um, and I I wish them well right now because I have no interaction with them and I haven't had any interaction with them in twelve years. But the experience is so triggering to me because, again, I'm having this say-so where I'm like, this is what I experienced, and no one is taking any regard to how I experienced it. Um, no one is looking at the, um, the build-up to what happened here, to, to how it came about that I was enraged to the point where I would want to break a door off a house. Um... Because the, 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 the thought is that I should have been mentally stable enough to know that my daughter was in the house, even though they were telling me that they had no wherewithal. The entire family, everyone that I contacted in that family, uh, told me that they couldn't tell me where my daughter was. It was a joke to them. The mother of the mother, the grandmother of my daughter, um, no one would answer my calls from the outside of the door of the house. No one said, your daughter is in the house while I was knocking. Um, 
while I was banging on the door telling me where is my daughter I need to get my daughter I need to get we need to go find them right now like no one while I was in a rage had it had any sense to say your daughter is inside the house calm down it wasn't until after I got the door off of the house and I mean like the entire frame of a wooden door removed from the brick of a building because I was punching it with my hand very hard at like two in the morning to go find my daughter. Um, this isn't a part of the story that's rectified. Um, there was an instance where my son's mother, I only have one son, um, went to visit a family member's house who was very well known for smoking weed. Very, very much an in-the-house smoker, blunt toter, would smoke them wherever they could go, house covered in all kinds of contaminants. And this was before I knew that it wouldn't directly be ingested by the child. But in our household, I would do things like take my shirt off, wash my body and hands and arms after smoking cigarettes throughout the day. And right after our newborn was born, they went to go visit this family member. And I said, can you please take the baby out of the house in a fear? And have them bring you back here and visit in our household so that your family members can visit in our household and they can stay as long as they want in our household without having to be concerned about whether the smoke is going to be in the baby because I don't want DHS to take the baby from us. I don't want someone to test the baby, do a blood test, and then find marijuana in their system or on their skin and then take him from us because we're t smoking with the baby around. Um, because that's what I was told. I was told that that's what they do. And I was told that that's what would happen. So I had this fear. And in order to have this fear not happen, I went into a rage. Uh, I got into arguments with the family members. The family members were like, you're fucking crazy. And I was like, why is it me making the request for you guys to come back to our house where there is no smoke in the environment? Such a big deal if you guys have a car. If I'm not saying you can't have visitation. If I'm saying, please just, you know, respect the boundary that I don't want a baby in a household where you guys smoke. That would be super great if you guys could just visit here at the house where the baby lives. It would be perfect. You don't have to change anything about your visitation time. Just where you visit. Like, just don't take the baby from this house to the environment where there could be danger. Um, my sister and I got into a huge blowout when I was younger uh, with my first child. Um, because we wanted to go out to eat for my first child's mother. And at that time, we didn't have enough cars or we did have enough cars but someone didn't feel like driving because they had been at work and they wanted me to hold my daughter in the back seat of the car without a child without a, without a car seat no uh the conversation came up that it was going to be um it was going to be okay because i'm a safe driver how many safe drivers have been hit by drunk drivers how many um, accidents are caused by people who are angry running the light. How many, how many incidents can you think of on a daily basis where someone else is not in control of the car that you are in control of and something happens? 
uh, I didn't want to risk it. And I was saying, like, no softly, but then it, I got blamed, like, oh, so you don't trust me? Now, now, me and this sibling are fine now. But at the time, at the time, this enraged me because it was like, I, what is this? What does what what me? What, this doesn't have anything to do with me trusting you. Um, what? This, 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 this lack of trust isn't in you. The car is designed to keep us safe. Car seats are designed to keep the baby safe. Why are we um why are we not doing the safety procedures if we have enough vehicles to drive around properly? Again, I expressed this um if I had been a small person with a small frame and a quaint voice crying rather than a large person crying and making the same claims with my body and my voice that it might have been taken differently. Um the facility that I live in uh, I have been affronted several times by white people. Um, and the facilitators are white. And I still live here as of currently. And the person that has affronted me the most still lives here. Uh, has been very aggressive. Uh, has approached me with violence. Uh, as far as like violent behavior. Like walking towards me aggressively. Uh, very violent language very violent gestures and I've expressed this but I've also expressed like I understand that they may be going through something and continually the same experience is said like oh this person has mental disorders it's perfectly fine for them to be aggressive and assaultive and um yeah if you could just stay away from them yeah if you could just not interact with them if you could just not participate whenever they do something like that that would be super helpful um, I'm still under legal litigation, so I can't really talk about the situation that got me arrested recently, but there were several instances in that relationship that had me feeling like you told me I could trust you and you sit here and do this behavior that is very clearly not trustworthy behavior. Uh, regardless of how they wanted to interpret it, trust has like one meaning and the truth has a different meaning. And when you tell me that the truth and trust are different than they defined, I don't understand. I don't, I never, I never know how to engage in this type of thing. So I've got a lot of trauma and experience with, uh, being mis, 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 uh, misused, misaligned and abused. Uh, so I tend to stay to myself very frequently. I tend to trust myself um, more frequently than not when it comes to regards to how a person is going to behave. Uh, in a um, staff meeting the other day, I was expressing to one of my coworkers who was having an issue with another coworker, and it came up like, well, what do they want me to do? You know, well, why are they asking me to change so much of myself? Like, I just want him to understand readjust what what I would just want them to understand that I'm I'm not like them and I said I listen I'm gonna give you this thing that I learned after being arrested after um, experiencing people misuse me and misabuse me is I don't expect anyone to act like me anymore I'm I'm crazy I'm crazy to a lot of people and 
no one is going to behave like me. No one is going to do the spiritual things that I do. No one's going to, uh, to, to regard themselves in the way that I regard myself. No one is going to practice spiritual practices the way that I practice them. Uh, no one is going to take accountability the way that I take accountability. Regardless, if they do take accountability or not, it won't be the exact same mannerism that I do it in. Um, no one is going to regard my safety as important as I regard my safety. Um, and he looked flabbergasted. I was like, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm me, and when I engage with people, I expect them to be them. And this saves me a lot of drama. It, it saves me so much drama. It saves me so much heartbreak. It saves me so much um, pain. It saves me uh, suffering because I no longer expect anyone to act like me. Uh, and that took getting arrested. Uh, that took getting kidnapped and taken to the beach and told to kill a homeless person. That took being told that I should be abusing my partner after they were abused for 20 years. Um, that took um, being told that I should live somewhere where people will constantly abuse me and have 35 dogs running around me regardless of how I feel. That took being told I should be abused by a woman who doesn't want to leave her abusive husband but wants to have other relationships and live in the forest like a fairy, I was, it's, it's constant, it's been constant. If I, if I stopped to give myself the space to engage in behaviors like these people behaved in them, I was always the worst out. I was always told I was crazy. I literally got told I was crazy by having a conversation where I said, all sex workers aren't drugged and raped into sex work. There are people who choose sex work. I have friends who are sex workers by a woman who in the, I don't know, I guess early 90s or 80s was like one of the, you know, I don't know, I guess I would call them like, what do they call them, transporters, transpotters, like you travel the world doing everything you want to do, go to Europe, fuck all the people, vondersex, um, you gender identity, non-binary, just whatever they wanted, but like they couldn't understand that not everyone in the sex working field was kidnapped in or drugged in or and this was like just before COVID and I was like what what are you talking about I, I have so many friends who make so much money um by choosing to engage in sexual behaviors because they wanted to choose they like not all of them have been raped like there are more people who don't do sex work who have been raped than people who have are in sex work who have been raped um, and I just, I don't know, like my perspective has always been as a person surviving all of the scenarios that I survive is that what I really get from the rest of the world is that I don't matter. That's my constant experience. Like even for my siblings, even for my family, even after all the healing, even after all the, you know, me making adjustments so that other people can feel comfortable around me, me not bringing up topic matters that make them feel bad, like my mother molesting me and touching me in a way that I tell her not to touch me in. Uh, my family still doesn't handle that conversation very well. Um, being attacked by my father with a pair of scissors told that I was a demon because I had bangs and I wanted to grow locks in the front of my head. Um, you know, these these, <laughs> these scenarios are, are, are not looked at as, oh, yeah, you have trauma. It's... Um, 
Yeah, just get over it. Uh, yeah, you're just you're just blowing it out of proportion, you know. No, those 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 feelings aren't valid. Those those aren't things you should engage in. And so the healthy things that I have been doing in regard to healing this particular process is acknowledging my feelings, acknowledging my stories, uh, acknowledging my spirit, acknowledging that I've had moments where I have been uncomfortable, um, where I have been abused, where I don't feel um, victim's remorse for my abuser. I'm not like again. I'm 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 still getting bills from people. And places that told me that they would take care of them, and then they didn't take care of them because of their uh, our our breaking up, our um, uh, detachment of relationships. Um, but the the agreement was that they would take care of the bill while it was happening. I'm I'm still getting those like years after the breakup. Uh, I'm, I'm still in situations where, you know, people say, oh, you have financial ob obligations to your children. I would love to be a part of my children's life. Um, so whenever we come across these situations where we're talking about my kids and you see that I don't have them, it isn't because I don't want to have them. It is because every time I try to engage with a person who has my child, I am told to fuck off every single time. Uh, and, and in no regard is that what I want out of that relationship. I would love to be in an engaging relationship with my children. I would love to let them know that I love them. I would love to be able to hear their voices. I would love to be able to talk to them. I would love them to be like, oh, well, my dad's a piece of shit. At least he calls. Uh, uh, my dad's a piece of, you know, whatever. At least at least he's trying to talk to me. At least, at least every week they make an attempt to make contact to me. They make video calls with me. We, we talk about something, you know. Not that my dad can't give me anything financially because the world has told me that I'm only supposed to get money from my dad. Mm -mm. I would love to be a part of my children's lives, but that's not how I am offered that space. Um, and that's hard. That's very hard for me because, again, I'm a very maternal person. Um, I take care of cats like they're mine. I take care of dogs like they're mine. Uh, everything that becomes a part of my life becomes a part of uh, what I would consider my pack. Um, and that's also been something that's been difficult, too, because I never stopped loving anybody. Uh, even though they say, like, um, again, I was talking about victim's remorse, and you like, oh, no, you know, that person, you know, I don't want them to suffer because, you know, they, they weren't really abusive in that way. No, I've done heinous shit. I've done terrible, terrible shit and the, the, the goals of surviving some shit. Um, like, I have threatened everything under the sun at death. I have, I have threatened everything under the sun death at some point um, in order to, like, survive. Like, no, like, get out of my face or die. Because I, I didn't have any other means at the time. Uh, I grew up in a very abusive placement, a very abusive household. Uh, I was raised where if you were stronger than the thing attacking you, then you won. And I would do that. I would tell everything that if it tried me, I would, I would murder it. Uh, when I got kidnapped, the, the kidnapper was like, I'll come in there and rape you in the bathroom while you shower. So I left the door unlocked because I wanted them to come in so I could bash their head into the side of the tub. Um... This isn't something that I do very frequently, but if you put if you put a rat into the corner, its teeth is strong enough to bite through steel and it'll use them. Uh, not saying that I'm a rat, but I'm saying that I'm an animal and my animalistic response to being threatened with like my life ending or 
being stuck in a box, I just started tensing up my hands. Um, Because I get triggered. And I acknowledge that I get triggered, but I've learned deep breathing. I've learned to... um, to place that energy elsewhere, to let it go, uh, rather than hold on to it, rather than fester onto it, rather than say, I'm a victim, I've suffered some trauma, and I've, I've got to like, if I don't present it to the world in such a way that makes me seem like I'm the only one that suffered some shit, I'm going to suffer more. Um, no, I, I went through some shit, and it was terrible, and it sucked, but also like I did some shit, and it was terrible, and it sucked, and I, I wouldn't choose to do that again, I wouldn't. It made no sense to do it at the time. I could have just walked away from every single one of these scenarios. And that's what I've been doing recently. So I don't have a lot of like relationships with people. Because everyone, if they don't deal with the trauma in their own lives, is slightly abusive. Um, and I'm saying slightly as like a misnomer. I'm, I'm underselling the slightly. Everyone is abusive and manipulative. If they don't address their own their trauma in their life, everyone is very controlling. Um, coming out as polyamory, coming out as polyamorous, um, years before any of the stuff that got me arrested, um, made people immediately want to control me. They would say stuff like, "Oh, you know, that's cheating," um, even though I would say I'm polyamorous. <laughs> um, even though I would say, you know, this is how I love. This is this is the expression that I have. This is who I am as a person. Um, they would tell me that, oh, they just didn't want anyone to have anything that was theirs. I'm a person. You can't own me. That's not, that's weird. Uh, slavery was, it's not, no. <laughs> um, in a lot of regard, I, as a person who has had a bunch of experiences, thank you for listening, by the way. It's been like 30 minutes. Um have had these experiences where, you know, again, I am told that being the survivor that I am, you know, like I I sleep on the floor and I was recently, and I'm in this place and they said, you can't sleep on the floor because that where this isn't some kind of punishment. Uh, And I was like, it's, it's more punishment for me to sleep on a bed that doesn't fit me. Um, It's more punishment for me to sleep on a twin size bed at six, five, uh, weighing 300 pounds on a frame that keeps bending um, and I didn't want to break anymore I cracked my knuckles out of frustration because like I was saying a thing and as I was saying it they were dismissing it I'd rather sleep on the floor because the floor won't break um, and they're like oh you're not a rat you don't need to sleep in a pile pillows and blankets are really soft actually and they don't break on the floor um, they don't come apart um, they don't crink or crinkle or make you feel like you're fat uh, because the frame is built for someone who weighs 165 pounds. If you look up the size of those frames and look up their weight capacity, it's like 200 pounds plus. I'm, I'm 300 pounds all the time given. And they were like, oh, well, we could adjust it by putting a board under it, which would make more noise and give me less comfort. I'd rather just sleep on the floor. It doesn't do any of the stuff that the bed does and I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, but again, I've slept outside a lot, so I find comfort on the ground. I will sleep on the ground frequently. Uh, let me fall. If I'm comfortable in someone's house, I won't just like kick up on their couch. I'll like stretch out on the floor like a cat or a dog. 
And they're like, you put yourself in these placements of animals very frequently. I was like, yeah, yeah, because they're very trusting and forgiving. And when they find comfort, they don't, they don't, they don't let themselves go, oh, I'm not comfortable. They, they find comfort. Even an abusive dog in a kennel, an abused dog in a kennel will find comfort in its kennel if abuse stops happening in its kennel. Um, I'm currently in a kennel, and, and no one wants to say that this is what this building is, but um, I chose to be here. I chose to engage in this. It's stability, but the amount of rules that they put on a person while being in this household are so stifling that it doesn't really allow for growth. If anything, it makes the people who live here react in a way that they wouldn't in normal society. So when leaving this place, you don't actually get to have any character development or ability developed as much as they want to profess. But again, being very like, yay, I have a house to live in. I still note that there are like, you know, essential flaws in all of this and that isn't a part of like any of the story that I can tell because as a large brown person my trauma isn't recognized um yeah no I'm I'm currently healing years and years of trauma at this age I'm in my master year I'm in my master number year um for adulthood and acknowledging all of this stuff while still being able to profess that I love myself, while still being able to profess that I am aware that the universe has taken care of me, is taking care of me, continues to take care of me. This platform, being able to speak out like this, being able to talk about my trauma, this part has been the most beneficial. Um, this part has been extremely cathartic in regards to what healing looks like to me. Uh, giving myself a voice. Giving myself the ability to communicate about something that has been absolutely painful for me, regardless of how many people decide to hear it or not. Um, giving myself space to have unadulterated content um, that doesn't, that isn't controlled by who enjoys it and who thinks it's true or who thinks it's real just me sharing my story is it's one of the biggest eye-opening experiences to me that give me space to play with what it means to be free what it means to know that I'm no longer surviving um, I'm playing with an anklet as I fidget because you know um, crying doesn't look the same for me as it does on everyone else. I normally cry when I'm angry, so you hear my nose running. There's some tears welling up, but I haven't let the tears out, so. Um, I don't know. You can just, you just get into different situations. Um, you get into different situations, and you acknowledge that you're no longer in the one that you were in prior to this point in time. You recognize that even though the memory comes up and it is very real in your chest, it is very real in the back of your neck, it is very real in your shoulders, it is very real in your back, it is very real at the top of your head, it is very real to your body that you are in the same scenario. You have to remember that you're not there, that you're not reliving another moment.
that you're not having the same experience as once was given to you, that you once chose to be in. You're choosing now to live with like value. You're choosing now to see value in yourself. You're not letting anyone determine what your value is based upon how they experienced values in their life. I want to give so many people so much footholds, so many footholds as to like what you could do to go forward. But I know that every story is different. Every situation is different. Every victim is different. Every abuser is different. Some victims are abusers. Some abusers are victims. Some are simultaneously both. Some are simultaneously neither. You can be right now. Like, that's that's the thing that keeps me most safe in my mind. <laughs> um, is reminding myself that I'm right here. Reminding myself that this is where I am regardless of where I was. Reminding myself that I no longer have to lower my own vibration. No longer do I have to accept anger as an outlet. No longer do I have to be around people who only receive anger as information of reciprocity. I no longer have to engage in those ways anymore to have my needs met. And that's very important to me as someone who is soft, who is soft-spoken, who is very maternal, um, to be able to live in my feminine energy, regardless of whether I choose to be feminine or female or whatever the case may be, to be able to choose to live in my feminine energy without having to be confronted continuously without toxic masculinity, Regardless if it's coming from a male or a female body. Regardless if it's coming from a gender neutral person or not. I am safe. And I don't have to attack in order to protect any longer. As a survivor, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Um. I'm picking. I just started picking a nail. I'm going to stop picking it. Put my hands apart. Um, I'm grateful because I started crying, so I started distracting myself from the crying because um, that's what happens. My brain has to try to rectify it immediately because crying doesn't get me anywhere. Crying has never gotten me uh, empathy. Crying has never gotten me uh, solace. Crying has never gotten me comfort. And that's what crying is supposed to do. It's a sign to the world to say, hey, I'm suffering right now and I would like softer treatment. Crying has gotten me teased. I have had a squadron of cops laugh at me for crying after having a mental breakdown after my mother chose my sister over me in an argument whether I should have my child in a car safely or not. The argument was, that's my daughter. Stop arguing with my daughter. Um... I said, what about me? I'm your son. This is my child that we're talking about. And you don't care about me or my child. Uh, you care about not having to drive your car when you could have just driven your car behind us. There's so many things that could be traumatic to so many people. 
You never know what someone is battling through. You never know what incidents. Um, I constantly face people who like to remind me that they have been physically assaulted or molested. Um, so many people tell me the truth of their lives when experiencing um, relationships with them, regardless if they're dating, uh, regardless of anything. They tell me that they have been assaulted or molested, and it is, it is my responsibility as a male-bodied person to know that because I am, I am, I look like their abuser. Even though I didn't do anything to that person. Even though all I did was offer them love. So in that moment, what we were engaging in was safe. I'm reminded very frequently that I could be dangerous to somebody because of what they've experienced, even though they've never experienced with me. Um, in that regard, I like to argue that the sky is very dangerous because things fall out of it all the time, but people still go outside. Um, I remind people that cars are very dangerous because they explode all the time. We just don't hear about every time that an engine has exploded because it's not worldwide news. But people still decide to get in cars. Trains derail frequently. Not as frequent, but frequently enough to have to have a system built around them getting repaired. Um, safety is in the mindset. And as a person who survived lots of abuse and lots of traumatic experiences and is currently always going to be healing, like the tree bark on a tree, I will have new layers that will protect me from the outside environment every year. And every year I will grow a new ring internally to produce more strength to keep me from toppling over. Safety is a mindset, and I'm safe always, always. And you're safe always, always. And now, if you've heard this video, you've been cursed. If you hear this recording, you've been cursed. I cursed you to be safe always, always. To get a new layer of bark every year, to get a new ring every year of your experience, to continue to get stronger and more proficient at life. Um, to remember that you're right here. I'm picking again. <laughs> to give you a reminder that you're, you're right here. You're right here in this moment. And you're always going to be right here in this moment. And anytime you need to, you can come back and be right here in this moment. This video was pretty terrible, though. I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to come back and listen to my trauma over again. But you get to be here, and you get to recognize that this is a part of who you are. You get to remember that everything that happened to you up until this point is exactly what needed to happen to you to get to you to this point. To be the person that you are presently. And I wouldn't change anything in the world. I mean, I'm not having one of the... My experience is pretty legit. I don't know. I'm weird, though, because I've survived a bunch of jazz. So, 
I'm, I'm pretty resilient in that regard. But also at the exact same time, um, I wouldn't change me. I'm going to bite this off because otherwise it's going to drive me nuts. Look at, look at, look. Where is it? Where's the camera? Can you see that? Can you see the little piece of skin? I'm going to get that right now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just ate a little piece of myself. Eat me! Um, I wouldn't change any of me. I wouldn't change any of who I've become. I'm so much for so many people. <laughs> Scar tissue. Um, I wouldn't change any of who I am or why I, I get to be that way. Um, I wouldn't change any of why I'm the way I am. Uh, yeah, it was super unpleasurable in a lot of those experiences. You know, having my kids kidnapped from me, having someone tell me that I wasn't the family that they wanted so they can go to the family that abused them. Uh, to be told that I wasn't uh, enough to be a dad. Um, that if black people didn't act the way black people acted, then white people would like us more. Um, to be told that I'm acting just like someone's abusive husband, even though I never did any of the stuff that the abusive husband did. To be told a bunch of things. To be told that I'm not a good son based upon what measurement. You never had a son. Um, on what measurement your first son like went to jail and sold drugs. I don't do that. Um, to be told I'm not a good sibling because of why? Because I don't argue with you? Because I don't drink with you? Because we don't go out and party? What, what, what is a good measurement to be a good sibling? I'm not a good nephew because why? I don't visit you because you're angry and every time I come around you tell me angry stories or you abuse me or you scalp my head with clippers. What what makes a good measurement for what is good for someone else when what's good for someone else is hurtful to someone else? Um, to an adjacent party. I remind myself that I'm here right now in this moment. I remind myself that I this this survived. This is the being that they tried to take down, the being that is filled with love. But also, also, I remind the rest of the world when interacting with me, I'm like evil. <laughs> and they go, no, no, you're so nice. You have such a, <laughs> you're so nice. And I go, mm -mm, no, I was raised by really terrible shit. Um, I, I had to survive a lot of shit, like terrible, nasty, not cool stuff. And so, like, by default, I have, like, a base-level program of murderous intent and destructive ability and, like, will hurt you if you try. And then for some reason, for some small reason, it's always, like, a really small reason as I put my fingers to the camera. When I tell someone that I'm dangerous, they go, no, not you. And then they start trying to see what dangerous looks like out of me. And then they never like the results that they get if I ever let them out. So, everyone, hear this. Hear this from the person on the camera, on the microphone. All of us are dangerous. Okay, psychology says in a lot of ways, um, as I'm explaining it, that there is a thin line between what makes you okay and what makes you a sociopath slash psychopath. And murderous intent happens in all of us. 
all the time. Morals, which are chosen by us individually or taught to us as individuals, keep us from murdering everything. Cats are like the most honest creatures in existence because 85% of the things that they catch die for no reason. None. They just chew them and kill them and then leave whatever they don't want there alive and then it dies later. All cats. All cats. And that kind of honesty is the honesty I want in my life. If you're a murderer and you have intent to go to go hurt people, go sign up for the military. Apparently they like murdering people. Um, it's legal there. Sign up to be a cop. Uh, especially if you're white. Because you guys can murder and kill anything. Um, yeah, it got a little political at the end, but that's my experience. So, you know, you want me to have a different experience? Change it. As of right now, though, yeah, I just remind myself that I survived. And that I'm dangerous, as well as the party that I'm engaging with is dangerous. And if I don't want either of us to want to be dangerous to one another, and they start acting, incurring any kind of behavior that's dangerous, I just walk away. And those are the moments that I normally cry in. Because, like, my body is saying, you are bigger than them. And you are stronger and faster than most people expect you to be. And you could kill them. You could hurt them the way that they're trying to hurt you right now. And I don't. Because every time I do, I go to jail. So that's my lesson for you. As a survivor, if you've survived any jazz, don't go to jail. Just go away. Just get away from whatever's trying to hurt you. Because it took me going to jail to try to, like, get away from some stuff that was really painful. And I won't go back to anything remotely close to that. And several instances after then where I have engaged people who would have done the exact same behavior in, in very similar situations because apparently I have a type. <laughs> I had. I had a type. Um, I would have engaged in the same behavior. And I didn't because I learned self-love. I learned to take care of myself and I learned to only offer the world what I wanted and to only accept back from the world what I wanted. It is now 4.17. We are closing up on our hour. Again, I say to you, I love you. Always, always. I may not agree with everything you do. I may not agree with how you behave. But I have no idea how not to love you after figuring out that everything in the universe was me and that everything in the universe or everything in me is in the universe. So, thanks for joining us on episode three of Barely Doing Stuff Now With Words, season two. And in Swahili, I think I would say, Amina.